Hi, everyone. You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode number 44, airing on July 2nd, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to improve themselves so they can better engage and develop others. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the very first time, improving your leadership skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic, the power of introverts. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Coaching for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I'm coming to you from our home office studio out here in Orange County, California, where it is the 4th of July week here in the States. And for those of you who listen outside of the States, which is about a third of our listening audience, uh, we have this great holiday every year on the 4th of July, which is the anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence from England. And so it's a fun holiday filled with barbecues and parties and fireworks. And, uh, and, and this week, I don't think a lot's going to happen in the U.S. from a business standpoint. Uh, and I say that because it seems like everyone I talked to last week said, well, I'm taking off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or I'm taking off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or the holidays in the middle of the week. So I'm just taking off the whole week. So I think it's going to be a pretty quiet week here as far as getting things done in the States. But that said, it's not a quiet week here at Coaching for Leaders because it is Monday, And even though it's going into a holiday week here, we absolutely are still uh, going forward with our episode here today. And I'm actually really excited to bring you this episode because not only do I think that the topic is a really important topic for every leader, regardless of personality preference, but uh, my guest today is someone who really has brought a tremendous amount of expertise and wonderful communication around this topic uh, in the recent past, and I'm really thrilled to welcome Susan Kane here today. So I'll tell you a little bit more about her in just a few moments. But first of all, I do want to just remind you that we are in the midst of a series on personality. And what you need to know as a leader around personality preference in order to lead more effectively, understand the people that you lead, and hopefully be able to utilize the tools and resources that you understand through personality in not only developing others, but also getting better results for your organization. And the reason for talking about introversion today is in the last episode, you'll remember in episode number 43, Bonnie and I spent some time talking about the differences between introversion and extroversion and those of us who have preferences for those different types of personalities and how we should how we could lead and what blind spots to watch out for and how to lead those who have those different personality preferences and one of the things that has happened uh, especially in the last century at least here in the states is we've really moved into this culture of personality and those who have a preference for extroversion tend to be a little better understood by the world tend to progress a little faster in organizations, tend to get promoted faster. And, uh, you know, really, you can be just as effective as a leader, whether you have a preference for extroversion or you have a preference for introversion. But I would tell you, as someone who has a preference for introversion, uh, those of us with a preference for introversion are not well understood (laughs) by a lot of the business world today and organizational world. 
And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to spend some more time on this topic today, uh, not just because I have this preference, but because whether you have a preference for introversion or extroversion, if you can understand how to better work with, uh, to understand, and to support those who have an introversion preference, I think that you can really tap into a tremendous strength that so many leaders miss. And that's why I'm so glad that Susan Kane is joining me for the episode today. Before I tell you more about Susan, just a reminder that there's some great ways that you can interact with me and with the Coaching for Leaders community online. If you have comments or questions about certainly today's topic, but anything around personality or really anything around how to better engage and develop others. The best way to do that is hop on our website and our website address is coachingforleaders.com. You can also call our community feedback hotline anytime. That phone number is 949-38-LEARN or you can send email to me directly at feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And today I'm pleased to welcome Susan Kane, who is the author of the New York Times bestseller. It's called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. And in a moment here, I'm going to just jump right into my interview with Susan. I actually spoke with her a couple weeks ago in advance of the show. And so I'm going to air that interview here. It's about a 20-minute interview. Um, I think it pretty much is self-explanatory, so I'm not going to set it up here a whole bunch, but just wanted to uh, let you know here up front that um, I think that one of the real values that Susan brings to the conversation around introversion and extroversion is just her strong belief in her writing that both of these personality preferences are so valuable that we need people who have a preference for extroversion to be themselves and to bring their value to leadership and to organizations. And we also need those who are have a preference for introvert or introversion to also be true to themselves and bring their values to the organization as well. And I'll tell you, this is something that I did not do for a long, long time. For a long time, I had a belief that if I was going to be successful in the training, coaching, uh, consulting world, that I needed to uh, either be an extrovert uh, which I thought I was for a long time, or I had myself convinced that I was, or to e- play one very well. Um, now, I'll tell you, you know, that was <laughs> not a good place for me to be as far as uh, not being true to myself and my strengths. And the more I've learned about myself over the years and the more I've understood my true preference for introversion, I can't even begin to tell you how much more effective that I am in being able to contribute, to be a leader, to engage and develop others through my work, through my coaching, through my training. And I think that, you know, Susan's perspective here will also help all of us to understand how we can lead and develop others too. So here's my interview with Susan Kane. I'm pleased to welcome as my guest this week, Susan Kane. Susan is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. 
She also recently gave a TED Talk on the same topic, one of the best TED Talks that I've seen in a long time. And that's a very high standard uh, to to meet uh, in that organization of being able to communicate to folks. And uh, I'll just mention briefly how I learned about uh, Susan's book and how it got on my radar screen. I had seen it online somewhere, and I thought, ooh, that's an interesting title. I should put that onto my future reading list. And then about a week after that, my mother emailed me and said, you have to read this book. And then I had another relative email me and say, you have to read this book. <laughs> and then uh, my book club, which meets every month, uh, decided on this book. And uh, so sometimes the universe gives you a message that you should be reading a book. <laughs> and uh, when I then did pick it up, I was so uh, pleased to see what Susan had written. So I'm so glad to welcome you, Susan, as a guest to Coaching for Leaders. Oh, thank you. It's so nice to be here, Dave. <laughs> That's such a funny story. I hadn't actually heard that before. It's interesting how your, some... Your mom and your book club all getting into the act. That's very cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes, uh, you know, I think uh, many of us uh, who love to learn have these long lists and stacks of books places. And uh, sometimes the world uh, has a way of telling you that there's a book you should get to the top of your book stack. So I'm glad that yours ended up on the top of mine. Thank you. Well, I thought I'd start off here and just um, talk a little bit about folks who who do have an introversion preference in the world, because um, you know I think many of us, and I certainly put myself in this category, even though even though I consider myself a very someone who has a very high preference for introversion. Uh, for a long time, I really viewed introversion as sort of a uh, second-class status, and that you couldn't be successful in organizations in the world if you were intro- were, were an introvert. And so, Susan, I'm wondering, um, you know, with all the research you've done into your book, how how did it happen that people with an introversion preference have been perceived in the business world and in organizations as more of second class citizens? How how did that happen? Oh gosh, you know, it, there, it's actually a kind of long history that brought us to this point because it wasn't always this way um, in the United States. It used to be that that there was much more room for introversion. And in fact, you know, people like um, like an Abraham Lincoln was the president who was admired for being more modest, for not, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson said about him, he, he does not offend with superiority. Mm. Uh, you know, he, he was modest and understated, and people valued him for that. But what happened was, in at the turn of the 20th century, we entered this culture of big business, you know, that we're kind of still in today. And... Um, we moved at that time from what historians called a culture of character, which was the period of Abraham Lincoln, um, into what they now call a culture of personality. And in the culture of character, we cared more about what a person's inner value was, you know, what, what, what were the good deeds that they did when nobody was actually watching them. Hmm. Um, but in the culture of personality, which we live with, with today, we started to value people more for whether they were magnetic or charismatic or dominant and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, and, you know, and that was because people were suddenly moving into the cities from these small towns that they used to live in, and they kind of had to stand out in a crowd of strangers. And so these more superficial qualities, you could say, um, became the qualities that were valued. And we still live with that cultural legacy today. Um, you know, and it's not to say that the qualities of, of being of being strong at self-presentation. It's not to say that those things don't matter um, or that they're not important because those are important elements of communication and connection. But we tend to be a little lopsided in how much we value those things um, Mm. and how little we value other qualities like being 
more like being very cerebral, being very thoughtful, you know, t- taking your time to think before you speak. All these things are also important, but we don't tend to recognize that. Hmm. Yeah. And then so, so, so introverts are left feeling like, well, the qualities I have, yeah, I guess they're okay, but they don't really matter that much compared to this other stuff. That's and, and, and that's wrong, you know, and that, that's one of the, that, that's really the fuel that led me to write this book that, that I think introverts have a lot of, uh, a lot of value and a lot of, of skills that they're bringing to the table and we're not recognizing that. But one of the things that I really enjoy about your book is just, I think, how well you capture um, introversion preference and kind of what goes through the minds of many of us who are, you know, do have a preference for introversion. And um, I hope it's okay if I quote something you wrote here in the book. Um, you quote in the book sure. saying, because uh, when I read this, I thought, that is me. <laughs> I, can ex- <laughs> I can exactly relate to this. So you said... Um, you know, I, it's funny, by the way, I don't even know yet what you're about to quote, but I get those letters all the time. I get letters from people saying, how did you get inside my head? Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. Inside my living room. Oh, um, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I think that the introverts often feel like the way they experience the world is not, you know, often articulated. So, um, but if you could, I'm curious which quote you're going to draw from. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I think is really great about your book is that you really do make it very accessible for um, not only introverts, but also extroverts, I think, to understand uh, how it is that introverts do process the world. And so uh, so here's what, what you wrote that I thought, oh, this is it. Uh, you say, I realize it's not true that I'm no longer shy. I've just learned to talk myself down from the ledge. Thank you, prefrontal cortex. By now, I do it so automatically that I'm hardly aware it's happening. When I talk to a stranger or a group of people, my smile is bright and my manner direct, but there's a split second that feels like I'm stepping onto a high wire. By now, I've had so many thousands of social experiences that I've learned that the high wire is a figment of my imagination or that I won't die if I fall. I, re- I reassure myself so instantaneously that I'm barely aware that I'm doing it, but the reassurance process is still happening, and occasionally it doesn't work. The word cake that Kagan first used to describe high reactive people was inhibited, and that's exactly how I still feel at some dinner parties. And I just thought that was a perfect, uh, you know, example of I think what I, I certainly experience, and I think a lot of introverts do. And so I was wondering, Susan, what are some of the typical obstacles that you find that many people with an introversion preference experience in the organizational world? Yeah, I guess there are a number of them. One of them is that many introverts tend to enjoy working on their own. Um, now, this isn't to say they don't like being members of a team also, you know, because introverts actually tend to be very cooperative um, and to enjoy that kind of thing. But they also have a desire to work autonomously, to sort of dive deep into projects, um, to not want to show their work really until it's, it's uh, pretty far along. Um, so one of the obstacles that they face in corporate America is that so much of it nowadays is organized around teams um, and people work more and more in open office plans where you have very little privacy, um, very little respite from from other people's noise or from feeling like you're being viewed all the time. And, and that is not comfortable for introverts. So yeah. that's really one of the things. Another thing is Introverts are not often groomed for leadership positions. I mean, we, we know this from the management research. And that is a real, well, it's a problem for introverts who want to advance, but it's also a problem for the organizations themselves because 
there's actually really interesting research by um, Adam Grant at the Wharton School who has found that introverted leaders often deliver better outcomes than extroverts do. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, and it's really interesting also the reason why. You know, extroverted leaders do better when they're managing employees who are not very proactive um, and who need a lot of inspiration and rousing and that kind of thing. Hmm. But, but what Professor Grant found is that when introverts are managing proactive employees, they do better than the extroverts because they're more likely to let those employees actually run with their ideas, um, and whereas extroverts might be more kind of excited about putting their own stamp on things, and they're, they're less likely to actually even hear other people's ideas, let alone, in, let alone watch them be implemented. Um, so, so to me, that's a, an example of the kind of subtle quality that introverts bring to the workplace that we tend not to pay enough attention to. You know, when we think of leadership, we think of the person sort of standing up with a megaphone and, and easily dominating a situation. But there's actually a lot more to leadership than that. So, I, you know, I just think we need to think in more subtle ways. It's interesting you say that because I've, uh, I work with a client right now that's a Fortune 500 organization, and we've had a number of their executives come and speak to uh, the group we're working with there in the last six months to a year. And uh, almost all of them have identified themselves as introverts, the executive leaders in that organization, and many of them have that have an introversion preference. And it's it's really interesting that that's not the model we think of when we think of leadership in organizations, but it can be and often is a very very successful model, as successful as extroversion, if not more successful. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think uh, I think both types have a lot to bring to the table. So. Um, you know, I, I don't think the goal is like proving that one is better than the other. It's more making a place at the table for mm-hmm. introverts. Um, yeah, and, you know, if you look at corporate America, like uh, Douglas Conant, for example, he recently stepped down as the CEO of Campbell Soup, m- much beloved, much admired figure who did great things for the company. He he has written on the Harvard Business Review blog about being shy and about being introverted, mm-hmm. um, and he made it work for him. You know, in interesting ways. Like one of the things that he did is um, he would sit and write personal notes of appreciation to employees who he thought had done a really good job and had not been properly recognized. And in the course of his 10 or so years at Campbell Soup, he wrote 30,000 of those letters, like 30,000 personal notes. <laughs> you know, like, uh, who does that? Yeah, that's amazing, <laughs> you know, isn't it? You'd, ha- you'd have to kind of be more of an introvert who would be comfortable sort of sitting quietly at your desk writing those letters. And it, and it went a long way. You know, people really felt like this was a leader who valued them. And in fact, I'll put a link for our listeners uh, to an interview I heard recently, and you may have heard it as well too, Susan, to uh, the Harvard Business Review idea cast um, with Douglas Conant on, on that exact topic of writing those letters. And I just thought it was fascinating that he had really utilized his strength uh, and his preferences to really interact with people in a very genuine and meaningful way. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I think that's an interesting example too because people often think that introversion means not, um, you know, not caring about other people, being less connected, being less social, um, and it's really not that. It's that it, it is wanting to socialize in different ways. You know, it, um, like in my book, I talk about uh, E.M. Forster, who was a very famous introverted novelist. You know, he his he he uh, he coined the expression "only connect." only connect, but he was famous for those words. 
And I think in our society, we would think that those words must have been written by an extrovert. Mm. But to me, it's not surprising that they were written by an introvert. Introverts are often interested in connecting with people, but in very deep ways, you know, in the ways of a writer or in the ways of, of a leader who sits down and writes 30,000 personal notes. Yeah, uh, amazing. What are the common mistakes that leaders make when attempting to engage and develop people who have an introversion preference? Well, I think one mistake is um, is uh, you know, telling them that, that they need to act more like extroverts, when in fact what they need to do is learn to put themselves out there as introverts in, in a way that works for introverts. Um, so I think that's a real mistake. It's like... Is it, the, the the leader might be taking a, a very genuine interest in, mm-hmm. let's say, a young introvert protege, but giving them the wrong advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, you know, one thing that an introvert can do with great facility is many introverts are, are really good at gathering information and acquiring expertise. Well, you know, you can use that to turn yourself into an amazing networker. Um, you, you can be the person who's always sending out helpful emails to people saying, you know, Here, here's an article that would be useful to you, um, and, and really making yourself sort of a central linchpin figure by, by, by doing the thing that you do best, which is having access to that information, being that expert, sure. as opposed to, okay, now I'm going to turn myself into this big glad hander, and I, I know I'm not really that person, but I'm going to pretend to be that person. Based on your research and your life experience, Susan, what advice do you have for leaders as they work with introverts? Um, Well, you know, I I think the main piece of advice I would give is to let introverts be who they are. Um, So give them the quiet space that they need. Give them the autonomy that they crave. Um, You know, another thing is, if you are a manager and you want to get the best of people's brains, of everybody's brains, you need to understand that when you call people into a meeting and ask for everybody's ideas, you're most likely going to hear, you're most likely going to end up with a room full of people who's following the ideas of the most assertive person in the room. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we know that from studies of group dynamics, but this is what groups do. They, they, they follow the most dynamic person. Um, if you're a manager, what you want is the best ideas, not not the ideas of the most dynamic person. So you need to really think carefully how you structure your meetings so that you're making sure to get the best of everybody's brains. Um, so, for example, one thing you could do is is uh, stop the meeting and ask everyone to spend a few minutes writing down their thoughts about whatever is the topic under discussion and then have everybody read aloud what their thoughts were. Hmm. And that would be a way of really hearing what's inside everyone's mind. Oh, interesting. I like that idea. You've clearly identified yourself as an introvert in your book. Um, If you could go back 20 years in your career and give your younger self advice on how to approach the business world as an introvert, what would you tell yourself? You know, the main thing I would tell myself is is not to go in thinking that the deck was, or not, not, not to go in thinking that my personality was a deficit in some way. Um, you know, I started out my career as a Wall Street lawyer, and I really had the notion when I first started that I was operating at a big disadvantage, um, you know, and that an effective lawyer had to be very bold and very assertive, and I knew I wasn't like that. Mm. 
but I, I feel like I wasted a lot of time like thinking that I was all wrong for the job. Um, you know, and then I got there and I looked around and I saw that a lot of the effective lawyers in my firm were quite reserved and cerebral types um, and were really good at what they did by drawing on their strengths. You know, they, they prepared really thoughtfully. They asked a lot of questions. They connected with people in quiet, intimate ways. There's a lot of ways of... Um, a lot of ways of getting to success, and we we tend to have a very one-dimensional model. It's almost cartoonish of what success looks like. Mm. And I, you know, I would tell myself it's not as one-dimensional as that. There's a lot of ways to skin the cat. And for our listeners, uh, Susan just does a wonderful job in her book of giving some very specific examples of uh, her legal experience and and plays that out in the book beautifully. And I just love some of the things you highlight there. And uh, speaking of which, what's the best way for people to either purchase a book and or follow your work uh, ongoing, Susan? Oh, thank you. Um, well, as far as purchasing the book, you can really find it just about anywhere. You know, it, it should be in your local bookshop. Um, it's on Amazon. It's on barnesandnoble.com. So it's, it's pretty much all over. Um, and in terms of connecting with me, I have a blog, um, which is thepowerofintroverts.com. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter. My handle is at Susan Kane, um, and I'm on Facebook as well. And it's, it's Susan Kane, C-A-I-N. Perfect. So I'll put that in the show notes for all of our listeners so they can connect oh, with you. And I also uh, would encourage folks to check out Susan's blog because there's a lot of great articles and information that she continues to bring in from other folks who are looking at this as well. Uh, Susan, my final question I ask for uh, I ask all guests who come on our show is, you know, the leaders who tune in this show are all about learning to engage and develop others. And I'm wondering who's a leader that's been an effective coach for you and what did that person do to engage or develop you? Huh, that's interesting. Um, that's a great question. You know, I, I've had so many, but I guess one who played a really instrumental role in my life was the writer Naomi Wolf, um, who I met early on in my legal career um, hmm. through an, a, a women's leadership institute that she was developing that, that I helped out with. And um, she, you know, it's funny, she's one of the most extroverted people you'll ever meet. And she instantly kind of saw my potential and, and uh, I think really recognized that the, the quiet strength that I was bringing to the table. Um, one of the things that I did was I taught negotiation skills for, for this women's leadership organization that, that she was creating. Um, and I think she instantly saw the potential of teaching to negotiate and learning to negotiate with a quieter style. Um, and she really kind of encouraged me to to run with my ideas and to run with who I am. And I, I, I always feel very grateful to her. She's a very warm and uh, generous person who I think sees the potential in everybody. Susan Kane is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Susan, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you, Dave. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed Susan's wisdom on this topic. I think that she's someone who really has been a leader in bringing a lot more awareness to the conversation and the preferences around introversion. And so I really encourage you to pick up her book if you haven't heard of it before and to check it out because I think it's something that you will find to be really valuable in your continued development as a leader. And again, whether you have a preference for introversion or extroversion, 
you work with and lead introverts by pure definition. I'm anywhere from a quarter to half of the population, depending on whose research you look at, it has an introversion preference. And so if you're not leading one, you're probably living with one <laughs> or, uh, or vice versa. So uh, be sure to check out her book. It's just such a wonderful blueprint for how to lead more effectively and understand this personality preference. And so this is the part of the show where I jump in for some community news and feedback. And as always, um, you can jump in with your own feedback on our website, coachingforleaders.com. And especially be sure to check out episode number 44, which is this episode. You can just uh, look for number 44 online there. The show notes are always online for all of our episodes. And you can comment right below the show notes. Uh, our community feedback hotline is 94938LEARN. And my email address is feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Any one of those ways are great ways to reach out to me. And particularly if you have any comments or questions on my interview with Susan, I'd love to hear those. Um, the uh, plan this week was for me to have some information for you on our new weekly newsletter and some information for you on how if you wanted to learn more about your personality preferences, some tools and resources for us. And uh, <laughs> it didn't come together. And the reason it didn't is because Bonnie and I actually just purchased a new home. And so we are in the process of buying a new home, selling our old home. And uh, and <laughs> so as if we didn't have enough to do with having a five-month-old at home, uh, we thought we'd add to our plate a little bit more. But actually, it's a really good time for us to do the to do a move for a whole number of reasons. We're actually just moving about five minutes from where we currently live. We live in this wonderful community called Ladera Ranch, which is in South Orange County, California. But uh, needless to say, I had forgotten, it's been uh, seven or eight years since we last moved, I had forgotten how much work <laughs> goes into selling a home, purchasing a home. Uh, wow. <laughs> and those of you who've done that anytime in the recent past know exactly what I'm talking about. So needless to say, I didn't quite make as much progress on a few projects this past week as I'd hoped to. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, commit to uh, making any uh, announcements going forward until I'm sure that I actually have everything complete, but I will get all that information to you very shortly here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, so I think I'm going to leave it right there for this episode and uh, certainly continue to uh, keep listening. I just want to take a moment to thank everyone out there who has uh, listened, especially those of you who have listened to this episode, and this, or not this episode, but these shows uh, from the very beginning. We kicked off Coaching for Leaders back in August of last year, 2011. So we're just almost coming up on our one-year anniversary here. And uh, thank you. Our, our audience has grown substantially since we first started. And I'm just so honored and so blessed to have been able to interact with so many of you over the last 11 months and just cannot wait for uh, more to come. And lots more is coming in the next few weeks, months, and hopefully years as we continue to uh, strengthen our production capabilities and uh, strengthen our tools and resources. And I encourage you, as always, if ever you have ideas, tips, resources for us, or things you'd like to see us cover, certainly email them over to us. And I want to thank especially uh, Stefan Schultz and also to David Barber for reaching out to me this week and, uh, and Stefan for hopping on our Facebook page and clicking like. 
Uh, Thank you to both of you for reaching out by email. I'll actually be in touch with both of you soon. And hey, if this show has been helpful to you, certainly uh, check us out at coachingforleaders.com forward slash iTunes if you're an iTunes user and leave us a written review on iTunes. That'll help us to uh, reach out to more people and be found by more people on iTunes. So thanks in advance if you're able to help us to grow our audience. And just a reminder, the link to the show notes is on our website, coachingforleaders.com. This is episode number 44. We do air this show every Monday. And wherever you are in the world, whatever's on your agenda today, take one idea from this show to engage and develop someone you lead. Take care, everybody.